Come on, would you just raise your hands all across this building today and let's just exalt him in this place in your own way. Just go ahead and open up your mouth. Maybe you need to step out of your comfort zone in this new year and just begin to exalt him. Just begin to, the Apostle Paul said, I'll praise him in the understanding and I'll praise him in the spirit. If you're filled with the Holy Ghost, we're a Pentecostal church. You may want to praise him in the spirit right now. Just let the Holy Ghost flow through you today. We want to worship him in spirit and in truth. Lord, we just lift you up. We exalt you in this house today. We glorify you in our midst today oh God we exalt you we lift you up high above every problem every situation you are greater you are greater you are worthy we exalt you in this place oh Lord hallelujah 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 Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. What a beautiful atmosphere of worship there is in this place today. Before I go forward, I just feel I just feel like the Lord is nothing new. I've used this a lot of times, but every once in a while we need to be reminded of some things sometimes. You say, you know, how does that make sense? I thought God was bigger than everything. Why do we need to exalt Him and magnify Him? Why does that? Well, let me give you this example. You know that this Bible is far bigger than this screen. There's no doubt about it. We know that. You don't even have to, I don't even have to get a measuring tape out. But you know what happens sometimes? I'm going to let Grace help me. But right now, when it's right there, which one looks bigger? You can't even see the screen. For the, you know what we do sometimes? We let our problems, we let our situations. God is like the screen. And, and this is not a proportion. He's way even bigger than the difference between. But I want you all to get my point here. Sometimes we let the problem that's right in front of us, from right here, this Bible looks bigger than that screen. The Bible looks bigger than the screen, but in reality, I know good and well what? That this screen is way bigger than this Bible is. But sometimes we let our little, little problems cover up our great big God. We let what's right in front of us seem like it is bigger than the one that created the sun, the moon, the stars, all that there is. So this morning, what are we going to I want us to exalt the Lord together in this place and realize that he is bigger. He's bigger than my problem. He's bigger than COVID. He's bigger than sickness. He's bigger than all of those things here today and so we've come into this place to magnify him to exalt him to lift him up in this place for he is worthy of our praise come on give him one big hand clap of praise here in this
Now, Father, I pray that in this place today, you would help us to get the right perspective on things, to remember that you are bigger than every problem, every situation. That has never changed. But sometimes our perspective gets off. And I pray that today, as we exalt you, as we lift you up, as we worship you, we once again realize how big you are, how great you are, and that nothing, there is nothing greater than you, no one greater than you. Lord, you are awesome in all of your ways. Lord, I praise you. I thank you, oh Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Are you thankful for his presence in this house today? Amen. Come on, one more time. Just give him the biggest hand clap of praise you've given him all day long. Hallelujah. 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 I know you're tired. If you'll turn with me to the book of 2 Kings chapter 4, we're going to read our text, and I'll let you be seated. Kids are going to stay in children's church. We, yeah, we're going to stay. They're going to stay here in children's church and service today. They got to listen to me. Uh, unfortunately, Doctor Childers. Some of you may say, I thought John Childers was going to be here. Well, about Thursday, I found out that he's not. With everything going on with COVID and everything, we decided that we would do it a different time. And so you're stuck with me this morning. And uh, you know. <laughs> And I'll say this, I kind of learned the Lord, the Lord helped me to learn some things early on, like Brother Randy was talking about. I got several stories. I think I've shared some with you, but I won't ever forget. I'll make this quick as you turn into 2 Kings chapter 4. Won't ever forget, Jamie and I were pastoring our very first church in Maryville, Tennessee, and I've told you it was very small. We had more leaks in the roof than we did people in the pews. One of those very first Sundays that were there, I had already had a revival schedule at the Sanford Church of God in Sanford, North Carolina. And so they said, you know, go ahead and fulfill that obligation. So I'd gone and preached a Sunday through Wednesday revival. And that church at the time was running about 300 on Sunday morning. And Sunday night, uh, there was probably every bit of 200 there, if not more. Well, that Sunday night, I preached a message on the blood of Jesus. And I'm telling you what, that Sunday night, I mean, we had, they had the musicians, they had it. We shouted that house down that night. I mean, it was just awesome. So we get back to our church that maybe about 10 people were there that morning. And I thought, you know what, I'm just, I'm going to preach on the blood of Jesus again. And I got up there, and I got to just preaching my guts out to those eight to ten people when all of a sudden I noticed Jamie was sitting, I believe, on this side on the front row. And I noticed different people of the eight. They were talking to some, talking across the pews there. And I just kept on. I said, I don't know what's going on, but I'm just going to preach through it. All of a sudden I saw they sent a little girl up here. She goes up here to Jamie, tells her something. Jamie looks at me, so all of a sudden I just stop and say yes and she said they said your microphone is too loud <laughs> and of course it was a small church and we had like a little eight channel box mixer some of y'all are fixed. so I walked over here I turned my mic down and I walked back and I read through the rest of that great sermon that had preached so good <laughs> that Sunday night before I've learned that no matter what you just got to keep on preaching if you got three, if you got 300, no matter how many you have, you've got to just keep on keeping on. Let me say this, something I've tried to get through 
um, to my children, and that is this. Always be faithful in the small things, and the Lord will always give increase. He'll always give blessing. Despise not the day of small beginnings, as Scripture says. Second Kings chapter 4, let's read that so you can get seated. Second Kings chapter 4, verse 1, we're going to read through verse 7. I'm reading from the NIV today. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a little oil. Elisha said, Go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and afterwards shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, Bring me another one. But he replied, There is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, Go, sell the oil, pay for your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. I want to preach to you, believe it or not, I've been preaching since I was 16 years old, and I have never preached on this particular passage. As many times as I've heard it preached, I have not personally preached on this myself, but right about, I knew before Thursday it was probably coming, but Thursday when I knew for sure I was going to be preaching, the Lord just brought this to me. And I want to preach to you this morning on what you have is enough. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you for this opportunity to be in your house. Thank you, Lord, for the worship. Thank you so much for each one that has stepped in as, Lord God, us, and not just us, so many everywhere are battling against sickness. Thank you for ones that are stepping into roles they may not always be in. Thank you, O oh Lord, that, Lord, you're always going to help us, God. When we give it to you, you're always going to help us. And, Lord, I just pray that as we put ourselves in your hands, that you would just do what only you can. Lord, I pray that you'd anoint me from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. Give me the clarity of thought, the clarity of speech, Lord, that is so necessary today. I pray for every person under the sound of my voice that you'd open their heart, their minds, and their spirits. Lord, that the seed would fall onto good ground and bring a multiplied harvest. And Lord, before we move on, I do pray for so many in our church, God, so many that have been sick, so many that are on the, on the road to recovery, very close to being done, and some still in the middle of it. I just believe that you are still our healer, and I declare healing over every single one of them today in the name of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we praise you for it in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said amen. As you're seated, at least look or turn around, wave at somebody, smile at them, say it's good to see you this morning at Starkville Church of God. What you have is enough. We come into this story in the book of 2 Kings chapter 4, and we find a widow, a widow who found herself in trouble. Well, number one, the first thing was that she was a widow. She'd lost her husband. He was dead. He was gone. That man that she had loved and cared for, lived with, worked with, was now gone. 
And now she felt the responsibility for her sons on her own. She was a widow. She owed a debt, and creditors were going to put her sons into slavery and collect. I won't ever forget somebody had said once that it always stuck with me. And, uh, you know, when you get worried and everything and, and trying to get bills paid, and, and somebody once said, I remember him saying, what are they going to do, eat me? I'll get it to them when I can. And, uh, you know, that always stuck with me. But, however, at this time in the Bible, what they would do is if you didn't pay it, they would come and they would make you their slave. You would have to work to pay off that debt. She owed this debt to creditors. They were going to put her sons into slavery to collect. Now, we look at this, and we don't know exactly whose fault it was. You know, I myself, I asked some questions when I look at this. Did her husband do this without her knowledge? Was this something that her husband did? Maybe she didn't even know anything about. He had, obviously, I know there weren't credit cards at that time, but in some way, he had used up all of this credit. He had in some way, somehow taken out loans in some form, whether it was in gold, silver, whether it was in livestock, however it was, he had run up a bill of some type. Did he do this without her knowledge? Or maybe did they make the decision together? You know, as a married couple now, most of the time, Jamie and I, we, we don't consult each other if we're going to go to Walmart and buy a box of frosted flakes but if we're going to do something like go out and buy a vehicle you know we usually consult with one another and you know so had they talked together was this a decision that this widow and her husband when he was still living had they decided together to get their set to do whatever got themselves into this debt I think you know there's a difference in opinions I, I read I read and I really love old stuff I don't I don't know about y'all but when I when I read I really like old stuff especially commentators and different ones and, and and I opened up the old Matthew Henry commentary and Matthew Henry he wrote that as a prophet that that this man he he wouldn't have made bad financial decisions but 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 he had to have been forced into debt because of Jezebel's rule and how hard she was on the prophets at this time in history. And then I read, kind of, I guess you could call him a, a more modern theologian, if you want to call that, Jensen Franklin. And he wrote, you know, he seemed to lean more toward, you know, we all make dumb decisions. And as I stand before you today, I have to be honest and admit, you know, I probably lean a little more toward the way that Jensen does. Uh, you know, I wish we could say that, oh, just because we're prophets or just because we're pastors or just because we're Christians, we all make the right decisions all the time. But unfortunately, brothers and sisters, we don't, do we? Now, you don't have to raise your hand, and please don't point at anybody besides you. But all of us, at some time or another, we've made dumb decisions before. We've made ill-advised decisions financially and otherwise. And so whatever you want to choose to believe today, the Bible, it says, it's of no private interpretation. So I welcome you to believe what you want in that aspect. But what we do know is that she was in trouble. 
and that God has always been a God that will help his people when they are in trouble, no matter if it's their fault or something that came on them not of their fault. If we will call out to him, he has always been faithful and always been true to help his children when they're in that time of need. So I just need to remind somebody in this January of 2022 uh, that God Almighty is there. When you call out to him, no matter if you've dug yourself a hole, if you've gotten yourself in a mess, or if you're in a mess and it wasn't even your fault, I believe that either way, that my God is faithful, that if you will call out to him in your time of trouble, he is there to help you. Somebody say amen. So let's look at this miracle this morning. A few things that really jumped out at me. Number one, I find this little phrase. What do you have in your house? Look at verse 2 again. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? And her very first response to this was, I have nothing at all. No matter which version you're reading, I went through several of them, and it really says the, the exact same thing. I have nothing. I have absolutely nothing. Uh, we've all felt that way before, haven't we? Maybe you want to call it, I'm broke as a convict. Sometimes we have all felt like we have no real valuable skills or talents. We've all felt like sometimes a victim to the circumstances of our lives. We've all been at that place before. But then as almost an afterthought, she says, except a little oil. She said, man of God, I have absolutely nothing. I'm broke as a convict. I don't have any skills. I can't do anything. I'm stuck in this. The creditors are breathing down my neck. They're about to enslave my two sons. I have absolutely nothing. But you know what? I, I do have just a little bit of oil. I just need to talk to somebody this morning and tell you this, that we might not have much, but we all have something. I'm going to say that one more time. We might not have much, but every single one of us have something. It might be change in a jar. Now, let me just tell you, because I, I don't want anybody to just feel too disconnected here. I won't ever forget early on in our marriage, Jamie and I, we, had a, we, were, we were broke. We were really broke. And, 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 and I knew that our checking account was going to go under by a measly amount of dollars, but that measly amount of dollars, the overdraft fee was going to be way more than the little bit of negative that we were going to be. And I won't ever forget getting, collecting change together. Some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Some of y'all do. I won't ever forget going around and collecting every bit of change that we could till I could get enough change so that our checking account would not go under and get an overdraft fee. I, I, I never in my life have I felt so embarrassed as when I walked into that bank with, I can't even remember, it was a stupid amount. 
a little stupid amount of change to make this deposit. And I know the lady there at the counter. She saw what I had in there. And then I put this little bit of change in there. So listen, I'm telling you, I know what it feels like. I have been there before, but we might not have much, but we all have something. Maybe it's some change in a jar. Maybe you've got some skill, some talent, some ability that maybe others just really haven't thought a lot of. And maybe it's not as exalted in our society as some are. Maybe you're able to fix things. Maybe you're able to work with people. Maybe you're good at math. I don't know, but listen, I know that every person that is listening to me today, you have some sort of talent or ability that God has blessed you with. And there is no place in Scripture that we find instruction, listen to your pastor this morning, to remain a victim. Oh, it's kind of quiet. I don't find any place in Scripture that Jesus encourages us to remain in the place of a victim. Now listen to me closely. You may have been a victim. You may have been victimized. But the Jesus that I read about came to make victims into victors. I'm going to say that one more time. The Jesus I read about in this Bible came to make victims into victors. I'm not saying that you're never going to be a victim, that you've never been a victim, or you never will become a victim. But what I will say is that God has never been in the business of leaving people the same way he found them. He has always been in the business of picking us up out of the miry clay and setting our feet upon a solid rock. I believe that the God that I I serve and I read about in this Bible and I know he is a God that wants to take the victim and turn you into a victor. Somebody give God praise if you believe it. All throughout the Bible, we're instructed to be faithful with what we have. Half an amen maybe. <laughs> All throughout the Bible, We've been instructed to be faithful with what we have. You've heard me say this before. Listen, if, if you're not tithing on $100, God's not going to give you a million dollars. If you are, are you giving of your time? Are you making sure that you're in this word? Are you making sure that you're praying? Are you making sure that I still believe? I, I know it was Old Testament, but listen, it was in the Ten Commandments about remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. I still believe in the Lord's day. I know a lot of people may not, but I still believe that God still deserves a day that we give to him, that we're going to come and we're going to worship him and we're going to give him a part. Are we giving of our time? Are we giving of our abilities? Are we giving, are we being faithful to what we have? Second thing, if you're taking notes, I find very interesting. He says, go borrow empty jars or vessels. Look at verse 3 with me. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Now, follow me here. Reality was at the moment she only had a little oil. Stay with me because this is where I believe some teachers and preachers, I believe they get off on this. Reality was truly, 
She had very little. The reality of the moment was that, yes, she was poor. Yes, she was broke. Yes, she was in trouble. And I want you to hear me today because I firmly believe this, and I hate it when people get led astray by false teachers and preachers that this Bible is very clear about will come in the last days. Admitting you have a problem is not a lack of faith. Admitting you have a problem and that you need him to help you is what this Bible teaches. And so she had a problem. She only had just a little bit of oil. Elisha was telling her this. Prepare yourself for God's blessing that is coming. In other words, you do have little right now. It was not a lack of faith to say you have just a little bit. But she was about to have to take a step of faith to prepare herself for the coming of the blessing that God was about to send her way. I just need to tell somebody this morning, God wanted me to stop. Brother Childers stayed in Cleveland this morning, and you got stuck with me because God wanted me to tell somebody here this morning that you need to begin to prepare yourself for how God is going to be. Yes, you may be in trouble now. Yes, you may have little now. Yes, you may have a big problem now, but God said in faith, begin to prepare yourself because he will step in and bless you in this time. In other words, begin to operate on the next level before you ever get there. Now, understand, let me put this at the beginning. If I had, I kind of put an asterisk in my notes, but you can't see this, so just put a, a in your mind, put an asterisk here. Not in a foolish, overspending, acting foolish way but begin to operate on the next level before you get there. In other words, if you want to be a supervisor, if you want a promotion at your work, why don't you start acting like one before that comes? I'm not talking about telling people what to do, but I'm talking about why don't you show up on time, maybe a little bit early. Why don't you be a little proactive be a problem solver. Show a little particular. Anybody with me here this morning? Why don't you just begin to prepare yourself for the promotion that you believe God is going to cause? I'm telling you, if, you don't, if you're not preparing yourself, the, the prophet, the man of God said, get the vessels, get them ready for the blessing. So I need to tell you, get yourself ready for what you're believing God for. Act like someone. Listen, if you're single. Act like someone that somebody would want to marry before you're married. I could really go on and preach there, but I'm just going to leave that as it is. If you want a million dollars, properly manage your hundred dollars or your thousand dollars before you get that. Mm, it's quiet. As a church... I believe that we should always operate on a level above where we are in preparation for God to send more. Now, I know where we're at right now. We're in the middle of this pandemic rearing its head again, this Omicron, and I know we're a little bit low this morning. 
But I'm telling you, I still have faith to believe. We're going to push it back a little bit. But I'm still believing that we're going to have to have two services to make room. Y'all know, y'all were here back in the, right before we hit Christmas. We were, it was getting a little bit too much than what people would feel comfortable for. I believe that if you want to get to the next level, you've got to make room and begin to operate on the next level before you ever get there. And we must do it in faith. Remember, she made room while she still had only a little bit of oil. I'm going to preach for just a little bit. She gathered all of these containers, all of these vessels, brought them in, put them all in her house. But remember, there was still a moment in time where she had all of these vessels but she still only had a little bit of oil. That's, that's where faith begins to come in there. You know what I'm talking about? When you begin to have a, have, have a little bit of motivation and everything, you begin to act like you can operate on the level of a supervisor before you're a supervisor. That's faith there. What I'm telling you, I know we, we finally will get everybody back and, you know, things will fill up again. And then we go to two services. I know for a little while it'll probably be, both won't be as much as one was. And some will be, oh, we don't need this. It's just we could all fit in. I know for a little bit, but I'm telling you, we got to begin to operate on faith again. Can I talk to somebody again? I know I'm the pastor, and I know people get sick of it, but I just got to keep on and tell you, not for me, but for you. If you begin to look at your finances, and you say, I just can't afford to tithe. Let me just remind you, I dare you by faith to begin to tithe and begin to make a way for God to bless you. It's going to take you stepping out in faith. It take, He said, you got to gather those empty vessels first. And there was a period of time where she had a bunch of empty vessels and no oil, but she held on in faith. And we know the end of the story. Eventually, God filled them. Amen i got to move on. Third thing, if you're taking notes, I find in this, the prophet said, go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Look at verse 4, first part of it. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. I'm going to tell you this. To operate in faith, there must be a time that you shut the door. See, shutting the door prevents distractions. She had creditors. Now, I don't know how creditors operated exactly, but we know there was no mail, no phone calls. So I've got to say that probably a creditor would have to personally stop by. There were creditors. There were neighbors. And I'm sure that there were some neighbors that had faith in her, that wanted to believe with her, but we got, let's all be honest. You know there were some that didn't. You know that some of those neighbors had to have been like, what's that crazy woman doing with all those jars? What is she thinking? But Elisha knew 
But in order for her to have the faith to see this miracle come to pass, he said, woman, you and your sons get in your house and shut the door behind you so that no outside distractions are coming at you. Distractions from doubters could have influenced her and canceled her miracle. And I need somebody listening to me today to hear this. For your miracle to take place, sometimes you're going to have to shut the door to faith-killing distractions. Sometimes you're going to have to shut off the outside world. Sometimes you're going to have to shut off Debbie Doubter. You know she's going to doubt. You know she's not going to believe God with you, and you need to shut her down and just say, I can't listen to you, Debbie, today. I can't handle that. You've got to shut the door and not allow things to kill your faith. Now listen, I'm very much aware, and I've preached this so many times, it is not biblical to shut yourself off from the rest of the world permanently. In other words, this Bible never gives any instructions for his church, for his bride, to go off somewhere in the middle of nowhere and build a compound like some groups have had to do to try to create some sort of heaven, some sort of utopia on earth. That is not biblical. It's always going to fail that way. The only utopia that's ever going to be built is when the Prince of Peace comes back. Other than that, everything else is always going to fail. And so it's not biblical to shut yourself off permanently, but it is certainly biblical to take time to go to lonely places to seek the Lord. Though the Bible does, certainly does not teach for us to go and lock ourselves away permanently and try to build some sort of society, all throughout this Bible we find it was often in the wilderness. It was often in the desert. If we look to Jesus as our example, as we should, he would go to what the Bible would say was lonely places. Can I just tell you this? As long as this thing or your computer or whatever, your television or whatever it may be, is point, there are times, listen, all of us, all of us God-fearing Christians at some point in our day should have a time where we shut everything off. And all of us at some times in our life are going to have to take some bit of time where we shut everything down and shut everything off and say, God, I've got to get to a lonely place where I can't be influenced by everybody and everything else. The man of God said, you, your boys, go in the house and shut the door behind you. You don't need doubters and distractions getting you off course. Fourthly, we find the miracle was in the pouring. Look at verses 5 and 6 with me. She left him and afterwards shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, Bring me another one. But he replied, there's not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. Had she have been afraid to pour, to give, she would have never received her miracle. If she had just that little bit left, she'd have been like, Ooh, I'm, I'm afraid to go pouring this. 
I only have just a little bit. I'm afraid to pour. I don't want to pour it out because this is all I've got left. And if I pour this out, I, I, won't, I won't have anything left. I'm, I'm just going to keep it to myself. Nope. If she would have done that, she would have never got her miracle. Because the miracle didn't start until the pouring started. You see, we find another, another widow in the predecessor of Elijah in Elijah's life. The other widow back in the book of 1 Kings that had just, just enough, she said, to make a cake for her and her son, and they were going to die in the time of famine. But Elijah, the prophet at that point, said, make one for me first. Now, I'm not going to preach on that miracle, but these two correlate in the fact that before that widow got her miracle, she had to do what? Basically, she had to pour it out, didn't she? She had to make the cake, and she had to give the cake. I'm going to say this, and somebody, some ain't going to like this, but that's all right. Listen, God, God has never done miracles in the point where there's plenteous. It's always been to the fact where you're willing to step out on faith and say, I'll give what little bit I have left. Every miracle story that I've ever heard, everything that has ever happened in any big church or ministry that has grown and taken a next step has always been that they were willing personally or, or as a, a body or even as a business to say, I'm willing, I'm willing to just put the last bit of everything I've got to pour it out. And it's then that the Lord then does the miracle. The other widow had to do it to find her provision in the famine because after she baked the cake for Elijah, what happened? The Bible said that that little bit of meal and that little bit of oil never ran dry for the rest of the famine. The master commended the servant, Jesus' teaching in the New Testament. The master commended the servant that used the talents and produced more talents by using them. He blessed them and promoted them but he punished the one that just simply buried it. You see, that's why I believe that, that the Bible is full and Jesus teaches, take what you got, use what you got, give what you got, and when you do, he'll take care of you. Second part of that was that she had to do the pouring. Elisha couldn't do it for her. Not one of the other sons of the prophets. Her husband was in the group of the sons of the prophets. Not one of them could come and do it for her. This widow woman had to do it herself. And y'all have heard me say this before, and you'll hear me say it many more times. I wish as a pastor, I wish as a preacher, I wish when I operate in an evangelist when I go places and preach and I preach at places and I can see it on people's faces and, and, and everything within me would just like to make the choice for them. But I can't. In this particular instance, it had to be this woman. This little widow woman, Elisha could not come in her house and pour that little bit of oil that she had left. One of the other prophets could not come and pour that little bit. It had to be her willing to take what she had and be willing to pour it out for God 
to multiply it and bring that miracle. She had to do the pouring. And you must pour. I love you. I'm your pastor. I'll pray for you. I'll encourage you. I'll preach to you. I'll teach to you. I'll do everything I can, but I can't do it for you. It's going to take you. It's going to take you being willing to pour it out. Stand with me, if you will, please, this morning. So we know, we read it at the beginning in our text. We read that the oil did not stop until all the vessels were filled. She took the little she had. She made room for God's blessing and borrowed all of these things. And she went to pouring and pouring and pouring and pouring and pouring and pouring. pouring. Finally it said, she asked her son for one more until finally he said, I'm sorry mama, that's the last one. We have no more. And when they were gone, the Bible said the oil then stopped. So they then leave the home. Again, again, what I'm saying, God doesn't call us to go and build these compounds to stay on our own. He builds us, he does tell us to go to these lonely times where there comes a times where we come out again. And so they leave the house and she goes to the man of God, Elisha. And Elisha tells her, she goes to him uh, then in verse uh, Seven, she went and told the man of God, and he said, Go, sell the oil, pay your debts. You and your son can live on what is left. So Elisha says this, Go sell the oil. She tells him, Hey, guess what? I did what you said. Got all these vessels and jars. If we were in the south today, it would probably be mason jars, wouldn't it? I don't know what kind of container she had, but... They were filled, and she goes, she's like, Elisha, Elisha, I did what you said, and now I have all of these. What do I do now? So he tells her, he said, first, go pay off your debt, sell it, pay off your debt, live off the rest. I'm going to say this, though a lot of people may not like this. I believe Christians, we're instructed in Scripture to pay our debts. If we're going to borrow it, we need to pay it back. If we're going to take it, we need to pay it back. This was most likely excellent oil to be able to sell. To be able to go out and sell this oil, I have to think that just like when you read in Jesus' first miracle, the wedding in Cana of Galilee, what happened there? They ran out of wine. He turns water to wine. And what does the Bible say? It says that they said, this is better than any other that we've had at this whole wedding. I just want to tell you, when Jesus does it for you, he'll do it for you right. So I have to believe that when, he, when this oil was there, this had to have been some of the most excellent oil for them to be able to go and to sell this. Just like Jesus, I want you to know that the Lord wants to give you good things. He doesn't want you to have bad things. He wants you to have good things. And I finish this with the thought, if you'll put that title slide back up there one more time what you have is enough now I want you to I wanted you to get the rest of this message to realize 
What you have is enough when you give it to God. Because sometimes we do feel like, I don't even know if God could help me at this point. Come on now. Some of y'all know if you ain't said it out loud, you've thought it before. And I've certainly run into people like that. I don't even know if God could help me at this point. Well, let me just stand here and tell you one more time. What you have is enough if you'll give it to God. This, this little widow woman had just a little bit of oil. I don't know what you have. You may not have much, but I'm telling you, every single one of us have got something. We've got something. Some little something. And it may be, I'm not trying to deny it. I'm not acting like I've got. Listen, it may be little. But the miracle comes in the preparation and then the miracle comes in the pouring that you're willing to say what little bit I have I give it to you now listen don't give it to your pastor because I can't do nothing with it but spend it or whatever give it to the Lord because what the Lord can do is when you place it in his hands and you're willing to start pouring it out. And you've made these preparations. What did it say? As many jars as she borrowed. As many jars as she borrowed. The oil never ran out until everyone was full. Listen to me, Starkville Church of God. I'm ready. I'm ready. We're getting a little delayed start, probably about a month. I don't, I don't look for everybody to be back till we start February. But I'm telling you. I'm believing, I'm believing God's going to fill every one of these pews with people that need Jesus. Every one of these pews with people that need Jesus. When we start into two services and then the, the, it's all crowded in one and then it gets a little more, but then we got extra, then God's going to fill them back twice. Then we'll do it three or four. I don't know how many more times we got to do it. I, I'm believing God for that. And I'm telling you, I'm believing you that whatever you need in your life, if you'll take that little bit, and be willing to step out and make room, shut off some of the distractions. Not forever. Don't go live off on a compound somewhere forever. But take some time. Shut the door behind you. You, your spouse, your family, shut the door behind you. Say, we got to get along with God for a little bit. Make preparations. And when you get in to pour out, I'm telling you that God will feel every bit of preparation that you make for him. Every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around this morning. God ordained this moment in time. From the beginning of time, God knew exactly who would be here. God would know exactly who would be listening to this podcast at whatever time they're listening to it. And I'm telling you that what you have is enough if you will just give it to God. You may be here and Maybe you've got a financial situation like this widow did. You say, I just, I don't know how I'm going to get through it. I'm telling you, God will help you too. Maybe it's not financial. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's relational. Maybe it's at work. Maybe you're one that I said. Maybe you've been believing God and praying for a promotion. And you say, you know what? I need to begin to prepare myself. I believe God's got more for me. It's time for me to start acting like 
I could be a supervisor or I could be bumped up in the company. Maybe, you're, maybe you'd have a desire to have more. But just like the Word of God said, you got to be faithful with little before He gives you much. Maybe you need God to help you to be faithful with the little you have before He's going to bless you with more. Whatever it may be, most of you know me well enough by now, but if you don't, let me tell you, I certainly will not embarrass anybody in any way. I'm not going to ask you any questions. I'm not going to stick a microphone in your mouth. But right now, I do feel led to open these altars and give an opportunity for anybody in this place that would say, I need God to do something for me. And this, the word has spoke to me this morning. You want to come and find a place with him. I'm not going to beg, plead, pump, or prime. But if you're here, and we're going to try not to be on top of each other this morning, give everybody space. But if you're here, and the Spirit is speaking to you, and, and you need God to do something for you this morning, would you come and find a place in this altar right now? Would you make a move toward God as a praise team begins to sing? If you're here, you say, I, I need the Lord to do something for me. Nobody's going to ask you. That's between you and the Lord. But I want you to come and find a place right now and say, God, I'm giving it to you. Whatever it may be, it may be your time, it may be your talent, it may be your finances, it may be your relationship, whatever it may be. Say, God, I'm giving it to you. Come on. That's right. Just come and find a place right now. Just you and the Lord. You can stand. You can kneel. You can however you feel comfortable. But would you find a place right here and right now and say, Lord, I want to give what I have to you. I want to prepare myself for what you have for me. In Jesus' mighty name, as they begin to sing. Come on. Let's pray. If you're not up here, would you stretch your hands this way Christ to those that are and pray for them? Rain.